welcome everybody to the Bleeding Big Blue Podcast. Listen to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, and also right here on YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and like on comment on our current videos. Follow our Twitter and Instagram at Bleeding Big Blue Podcast. Today we had on Bobby Skinner from Talking Giants. He co-hosts that with Justin Pennick every Tuesday and every Friday. Be sure to check them out on Apple Podcasts and some of their videos on YouTube. They analyze a lot of film with Anthony Tomato. Current schedule for this week, we had Bobby Skinner on today. Uh, on Friday, my friend Sean and my brother Luca will be predicting the NFL schedule for the different teams, as I will be too. That's going to be done on PlayoffPredictors.com. Uh, next Wednesday is going to be the film Breakdown with Rohan Sangani. And then next Friday, we're going to have Dan Duggan of The Athletic comes on to talk to Giants. He is a Giants beat writer, one of the many. Before we get to the interview, I'd like to thank everybody who keeps supporting us. You know, we're growing on Spotify, we're growing on Apple, we're growing on all the platforms. Thanks to you guys, and I thank the team around me that is supporting me and giving me the stats and giving me the intros and all the creative stuff. We can only grow further. Now, what you've been waiting for, here is the Bobby Skinner interview from earlier. And now we are joined by Talking Giants co-host Bobby Skinner. Bobby, how's Florida going? It's hot, man, but it's good. Uh, I'd rather have that than freezing cold. And I spent a couple years in Minnesota, and there was one May where it was snowing. So I'm I'm glad to be down here, having having a little fun, and and uh, you know, looking forward to talking about the Giants a little bit. Well, I'd rather live in hot weather than cold weather, like up in Minnesota. Personally, yeah. I would say that. Yeah, I thought I liked the cold until I spent a couple of years in Minnesota, and I realized I didn't like the cold after that. But I, I like Florida, man. I, you know, people want me to move up to New York. I don't know if it'll ever happen, but I, I like it down here. All right, first question here: What do you think of Joe Judge so far? And does he remind you of Tom Coughlin? I was actually just thinking that about how like he kind of reminds you of a young Tom Coughlin, where he's like he's a dis, you know, he seems like he's got that disciplinarian, like don't make an ass out of yourself kind of vibe. Now, we don't know much about him. He was like the one coaching candidate where there's nothing you can like grab at and like look at his record on this. Like I, you can look at special team stats and stuff like that, but I don't want to I don't want to overanalyze it. But as far as like everything he said, he said all the right things, you know, he's just started naming players again uh, for the first time, which was, you know, we got so used to him not saying players names that when he finally did, it was a little weird, but I, he was waiting until he could actually talk to them in these virtual OTAs. Um so I think he's been doing all the right things. There's nothing uh, to complain about. Although, you know, if the season starts one and four, I'm sure the the tune will change on that real quick. Okay, so I haven't brought this topic up to a lot of people, but I'm going to re-bring it back. Uh, OBJ was traded last year in March. We got O'Shane Zimenez, uh, Jabril Peppers, and Dexter Lawrence. How did you view the trade at the time, and how do you view it right now? Odell was obviously an awesome player, and i i would defend I would defend Odell on like, okay, this is this, this is that, and then when the Josina Anderson interview happened before that Panthers game, that's when I was like, dude, I don't know if I can defend this. And then the following Thursday, you know, he's you know walking off the sideline early against the Eagles. So at that point, I remember, you know, I said, I was like, you know what, just trade him. Like, it's I'm over it at this point. Now I was I was surprised by you know like Odell's a good player so you never just like oh you're never celebrating losing a good player but I like the trade um one I just didn't one Odell was getting older and it just didn't it didn't make sense to keep him around especially he was going to be in a, a headache like would it be fun to see him with Daniel Jones yeah but he's a headache and I felt like they were like 
he was affecting other players. And I don't want to get into too much detail on that, but he, I feel like he was affecting other players negatively. And I, I like the return. Dexter Lawrence is an awesome player. Uh, Jabril Peppers was probably like the best playmaker for the Giants uh, in 2019 before he got injured. And then O'Shane Zimenez, I'm not like super high on Zimenez, but there is some potential there. And he had, he had some pretty good numbers for the limited reps he got. Uh, so I don't think it's even like a, oh, I love O'Shane Zimenez, Dexter Lawrence, Jabril Peppers. But I just thought moving on from Odell was the right decision to, to make. Uh, follow-up question. Do you think that the Browns and OBJ returning to MetLife this season, do you think that's going to be a primetime game? I don't know if it's going to be primetime, but it's good. Yeah, I do. I don't think there's any way the NFL lets that not be primetime now that I say it out loud. They have to. And I would love to get up there for that game because I, I honestly, you know, I couldn't stand Odell for a while. And I still, you know, he's definitely not my favorite guy. But I don't like – I just like Baker Mayfield way more than Odell. So that that is like there's a whole element to like the Giants fans versus Baker Mayfield after what I said about Daniel Jones last year, and you know a lot of people relished in his misery last season. So yeah, I I feel like you have to do that. I mean they did it for the Jets last year, so why wouldn't they do it this year? I don't know if it'll be Monday night, maybe not Sunday night, but there's no way they're not like putting that on TV because that's going to get a lot of eyes. One thing I would say about the Browns for last year, obviously you saw a lot of talent going in there, OBJ going back, you know, Baker Mayfield in his second year. They didn't really have a leadership standpoint. It was everybody just big-mouthing, and that obviously resulted in the firing of Freddie Kitchens, and everybody's mad now, and there were Odell rumors of him going to the Vikings, but obviously those rumors are off now, That now that I think they got another wide receiver. Yeah, and that's where people... There's more to football than just, you know, numbers and stuff. And that's what I kind of get into it with the analytics people sometimes. I like analytics, but people who are just overly analytical. It's like there's there's 53 men plus a whole coaching staff that have to gel together to win. You know, it's not as simple as my players are better than your players. And we saw that with the Browns because they had a ton of weapons. Their offensive line wasn't great or wasn't good, but, like, they weren't the worst O-line in the league either. So, Yeah. They uh they couldn't put it all together. Their coaching staff was kind of disarray. Baker, like him running his mouth, Odell and you know Jarvis Landry telling other teams to come get him after games and stuff like that. It was a mess. And then you have and that bleeds over to guys like Miles Garrett feeling like you know what I'm just gonna bash a dude over the head with a helmet. It's about getting 53 men working towards the same goal. Obviously, you know not everyone in the locker room is gonna be a saint, but when you have a lot of loudmouth people, you know, and Baker Mayfield is the is the ringleader at that. It's hard to control. If you got one or two guys, you can control it. But when it's, it's a whole team like that, I mean, even guys who like were no names were were mouthing off. It was it was kind of wild to see. I, I'll I'll be honest. I really enjoyed seeing them seeing them struggle last year. Now talking about the leadership and the chemistry standpoint, um, I had Rich Soybear on yesterday, and he was talking about how he had. Uh, the whole line was in sync, the chemistry. They still have a group chat today. Do you think that's something the Giants have been missing the last couple of years, you know, that chemistry between that offensive line and the whole roster? Well, one thing I think the talent has been missing on the offensive line as a whole, although I, I thought they were a little better than people gave them credit for last year. Just Nate Solder was the weakest link, and he was the weakest link by far. But, yeah, I, I actually talked with Rich Soybert a couple of years ago, and – He's one of my favorite guys, and that those those that five group, they played like thirty six games in a row together, or maybe like maybe even more than that, and that was a record for five guys playing together. And you see that those guys truly are a family, and that is a position group where chemistry does matter because you got to trust the guy next to you 
just as much as you trust yourself on the offensive line. And like, you know, like Rich told you, those guys like love each other and they still do. They still, like you said, they, they get to uh, get together. They talk all the time. They were a family in one unit. And hopefully that's what the Giants are building now with, you know, you got Andrew Thomas, you got a young Matt Parrott who will, you know, he will be in that starting lineup. He'll get his shot eventually. You know, Shane Lemieux, you know, you got a young Will Hernandez. Uh, Zeitler's a little older, but he's only 13. He's got two years left on a big contract. And, you know, we, we don't know what's going to happen at the other position, but there's that possibility to have that long-term uh, group. Now, do I expect him to start 40 games in a row like those five did? No, because just because of injuries. But nonetheless, it would be nice to have, you know, a, a five guys like that. You know what? These guys are going to be here for the next five, six years. Jumping to a little bit of defense now. We expected the jump from Lorenzo Carter from 2018 to 2019, and a lot of people were disappointed. Do you think with how much success that Patrick Graham has had with the linebackers that it could have an effect on him? And do you think this is Carter's last chance to prove himself? I won't say it's his last chance to prove himself just because, you know, he's on a cheap deal and he does have talent. But, like, he could be out of the starting lineup, like, soon. You know what I'm saying? Because you have O'Shane Zimenez, who, you know, waiting in the wings to get his shot. You know, you brought in Kyler Fakra, who, you know, he's not a world beater by any means. But they did – they brought him in the play and to kind of regain that 10-sack year he had with the Packers. Um, But I, I don't know. I don't know. I think they're going to run a lot of, like – five six db look so maybe he's taken off the field there i've never been huge on lorenzo carter but yeah i guess i guess so yeah it would probably be his last year now when you take a look at the last three years of defense obviously we haven't seen graham's defense on the field with the giants yet but we did see betchers now comparison between the two do you think graham's defense looks better on paper because you have more playmakers and you don't have the wrong players from arizona with betcher yeah, with Betcher, it was frustrating because he was he came over as this guy who coaches aggressively and blitzes like crazy, and he didn't do that. And, you know, I got into it with a lot of people. They said, oh, well, he doesn't have the secondary to, to blitz. And I, I said the opposite. He, does, he didn't have the secondary to not blitz because how many times did we just rush four-man, especially on third and long, and these QBs would have all day to sit. We saw it with Dax. And, I mean, pretty much any QB who was competent was able to sit on third down and just let guys find holes in zones and and make plays because we didn't have the pass rush either so yeah i don't i'm not gonna sit here and say patrick Graham is gonna put it all together because the miami dolphins defense was really bad last year you know what and as much as like their team as a whole got better i think they gave up more points like in the second half of the season but uh, i wasn't buying into like the oh they're gonna be multiple look until they drafted xavier mckinney that makes me believe that there will be some different things done i don't know exactly that's something we actually want to look into is go through all his Miami games. But nonetheless, like, I don't think it could be as bad as Betcher. I feel like Betcher in Arizona copied and pasted Todd Bowles with the same players. And then when he had a, a different roster of different players, he really didn't know what to do. And he was playing pretty basic defenses for the most part. Now, the Giants didn't take Simmons at four. They took uh, Andrew Thomas out of Georgia at four. Now, the Giants didn't draft a linebacker till the sixth round with Cam Brown out of Penn State. Uh, should Giants, you know, be a little worried or like should they be a little concerned that they didn't take that until the sixth round? Because we know covering running backs and tight ends are a huge, huge issue for the Giants. Yeah, you know, you bring in Blake Martinez, who I think, you know, I think he gets a lot of flack and we went and broke down his game. And he's a good he's a good football player. He's pretty good in coverage. He's not like this liability that people make him out to be. But he's also not like he's not an amazing linebacker either. Connolly 
I'm a big believer in Conley, but at the same time, he's coming off an ACL injury, and he does play like he is an aggressive playing style, which I love. I always lean on the side of you know I'd rather you be a little too aggressive than too passive, especially at that position. But so he has some uh, opportunities there. I'm not a big fan of Mayo. I actually like Tay Crowder right away more than I do Cam Brown or um, T.J. Brunson out of South Carolina. But yeah. Um, I don't know. It's I, They're playing behind three good defensive linemen and Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, and Dalvin Tomlinson, so that makes their job a little easier. What will be the difference maker for this team is, like you said, in zone coverage. Can they, like, put things together, or are they just going to let wide receivers and tight ends just find out, find holes to, to attack? Now, do you think the Giants are set? They obviously drafted Carter Coughlin out of Minnesota in the seventh round. But they also, as you mentioned, they got Fackrell, they got Zimenez, and they got Carter, all those guys. And they also have a guy that's not really looked at, Oluwole Betaku from Illinois. Do you think they're set with that core, or do you think they need to add a number one like Golden, even though the tender was already put on him? They put the tender. I would ra- I would like to bring Golden in because I think he's better than any of those other guys. You know, Ocean Zimenez could be better. But Marcus Golden is better than Lorenzo Carter is. He's better than Kyler Fackrell is. Um, and I thought what's funny with Golden is everyone said, oh, well, his sacks were coverage sacks. It's like, well, we had, like, the worst coverage in the league. So if, if he can get 10 with that coverage, like, imagine what we could do with halfway decent. So I would like to bring Golden back. I don't, you know, we'll see what happens money-wise. Um, you know, they like you said, they put that unrestricted free agent tag on him. So they might get him back for, like, really cheap, which would be, you know, which would be cool for us. So... Yeah, I, th- I think the only other person they could bring in is Golden. Like, the clowny dream is dead, if anyone is still holding on to that. Uh, it's not going to be a good pass rushing group. Not not to say that, like, they can't put some stuff together, but overall, like, it won't be – it'll be in the lower tier of, of pass rushers in the NFL this year. Going back to draft week, and even before draft week, I know you were big on Andrew Thomas. Who did you not want it for overall? Like, who would you, like, despise at fourth overall? Like, for me, it was probably Makai Becton and Derek Brown. Derek Brown, because we have all those defensive tackles. And I think that Makai Becton would have taken longer to develop than Thomas or, say, a Jedrick Wills. Okay, so Derek Brown, obviously for the reasons of defensive tackles, you know, that's the easy one. So I'll say Tristan Wirfs. I was very worried about Tristan Wirfs. I, I think Tristan Wirfs is – he could be an elite guard. I just don't ever see him putting it all together at tackle. I think people fell in love with his combine. And I, I had him the fourth out of those top four. I would have been cool with Wills. Becton, I wouldn't have been, like, excited for, but I would have got it. Like, you know what? This guy does have potential. And I think – I thought that – I thought Becton to the Jets was a great move for them. Um, but Wirfs, man, there's just nothing – nothing sold me on him to, like, to get excited about. So – you know, I try to not take myself too seriously and and think I'm, like, the smartest guy in the world. But at the end of the day, I thought worse was the fourth out of those offensive tackles. And I, I would have been – I would have been happy with Wills or, you know, excited, like, with Thomas, like I was. And then back then I wouldn't have been, like, jumping through the roof, but I, I would have gotten behind it. Worse, man, I, I would have struggled with that one. So I, I'll, I'll go with worse. Now, I talked to Justin, I think it was last Monday. His ideal line is putting Thomas at left tackle and Solder at right tackle. Do you have a different plan or a different suggestion, or you stick with the same plan because Solder has a big cap hit and you don't want to put him on the bench for for $19 million? You put Thomas at left tackle. Um, that's a for sure thing. Like I'm, I'm Thomas Andrew Thomas is here to play left tackle. You play him at left tackle. And then right tackle, I feel like you make it an open battle between Nate Solder, Cam Fleming, um, although – 
Cam Fleming's not that good. You know, he's brought in three of death piece, and hopefully that's what he is. And depending on what they're playing, if they're planning on, you know, playing Nick Gates at center, let him play center. But if they're not, give him a fair shot to beat out Nate Solder. Because you know what? Nate- Nick Gates was-, was good when he played right tackle 2019. It was like it was a bright spot from the team for one of those a young player, undrafted free agent, to go out there and perform. So I get the, the contract. So I'm not saying cut him because it doesn't make really much sense to cut him with that contract. But if Nick Gates is out there playing better, then give him that chance at right tackle. You know, it's I, I get Solder's got a big contract and is a, is a business, but I want to put the best guy out there. And I think Nick Gates could really challenge Solder for that. Now, going back to the center position, John Halapio and Dave Gettleman have mutually expressed interest in rejoicing with each other. Do you think they should bring them in just to compete or just to play for the first, maybe, say, 10 games and then put their future center in? See, my thing is I would put Spencer Pulley at center the first couple games because he's still on the roster. You're not wasting that extra money. And then you could slowly put Lemieux or Gates at center and whoever you want for the future. That's my take on it. I definitely would bring him back because it's a minimum. De- it'll be a minimum deal. Um, but like he's, you know, he is coming off an injury. Pulley, I was not a fan of at all. He got one chance in 2019, and he was horrible. I mean, you know, I'm not going to sit here and defend and say Halapio had a good year. But if you look at Halapio's worst game versus Pulley's only game, and Halapio's worst game was better than Pulley's only game. I mean, it was really bad, and that was against the Jets, I believe. I've been big on giving Nick Gates a shot there. Now, maybe Shane Lemieux. I don't know how ready he is. He definitely like he's a, he's a prospect I'm excited for. I think he was a steal, but he does have some things to work on. Um, especially if you're putting him at center, which he's never played, even though he has practiced snaps. Nick Gates, so he did practice a little bit at center last year, and I'm a big believer of getting guys, talented guys on the on the team on the field. And I think Nick Gates is more talented than any of those guys that are at center. So, I'm I'm a big believer in putting Nick Gates there. Um, so I'm riding that train, but I would bring back John Halapio because it's kind of like a, a why not? If if he doesn't, if he's not fully, if he's not looking good, if he's not coming back from injury, well, you just cut him when uh when you make those cuts after the fourth preseason. Moving towards this year's schedule, but we obviously signed James Bradbury to replace Drew Norris Jenkins, who was the veteran corner on this team. Now, we face Juju, Amari Cooper, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Odell, Jarvis Landry, Terry McLaurin, and C.D. Lamb this year. Do you think Bradbury's experience in the NFC South, against, in NFC South against good receivers gives the defense a load off and maybe a little more confidence? Yeah, although I, I, I like Janoris Jenkins. I didn't like releasing him. I get why they did it, but I wasn't a fan of that. I was like, you know what, if you, if you, if you despise this guy so much, just suspend him for the last two weeks and then trade him the offseason for at least like a sixth, seventh round pick. Um, but Bradbury is an upgrade there. I don't think he's a huge upgrade, but he is an upgrade and he's younger. I definitely think it helps, but we'll, it'll be interesting to see how this defense uses their personnel because we saw last year that the Packers and the Bears in the later in the season, they just put their best wide receivers in the slot and they tore up Corey Ballantyne. Now, I don't know who's going to play slot corner, whether it's Julian Love or, or Darnay Holmes, if he comes together pretty quickly. Or Valentine, you know, Valentine's someone I still believe in. I don't know if he's ever going to be the slot corner, but I do believe in his talent. Uh, so James Bradbury is definitely an upgrade, and hopefully they let him fall the number one wide receiver around. I'm not expecting him to dominate every guy every week, but like you said, when you look at him against you know Julio Jones, Evans, Thomas, he he matched up against those guys better than anyone really. Now, there was a rumor that came out from the New York Post and a couple other outlets that said that Logan Ryan is. Um, him and the Giants have some mutual interest. Do you think he should be added as an extra veteran, or do you think the Giants are already good with their young defensive backfield? 
I feel like no. We're not in win now mode. Now maybe we pull out some wins and sneak into the playoffs somehow, but I I'm not, I'm not banking on that. And it is a rebuilding, you know, team. I don't I don't know how good Logan Ryan is. Like I don't I'm not going to pretend I watch him, you know, around the league they speak positively about him. But like you said, there's a lot of young guys. Like you have DeAndre Baker and James Bradbury slated on the outside. And, you know, you drafted Darnay Holmes in the fourth round. And I don't want a fourth round pick to defer you from getting a good player. But you have, you know, Corey Ballantyne, Sam Beal, guys you believe in. And then there's Julian Love. I, I don't know if they want Julian Love to be a backup at safety or what. But, you know, he was second best corner in the nation coming out. So I wanted to get, see him get a shot at nickel. Um so I would I would rather give one of those young guys a shot than bringing in Logan Ryan on a rebuilding team. Now I've asked two people this question, and I got two different answers. Obviously, Saquon's the number one running back going into next year uh, without any injury. Battling behind him for the running back two and three spots are Hillam, John Hilleman, Wayne Gallman, Javon Leak, Sandro Plutzgummer from Austria, and the newly signed Deion Lewis. And obviously, you have to keep in mind that the Giants are probably going to keep Eli Penny based on the offense. Who do you think is the best shot at the running back two and three positions? And by the Deion Lewis signing, do you think that they're trying to get rid of Wayne Gallman or run with three running backs? Lewis is the clear-cut number two for me. He's brought in to be wide receiver or running back number two. Gallman, man, I'm so off Gallman. Like, I just don't have any faith in him. He didn't do anything special to me. Like he doesn't, he's not really a special teams contributor. When he ha- does get a decent amount, like I went and looked it up. Whenever he gets like four or five plus carries, his average is never really good. Um, he hasn't he hasn't averaged over more than four yards per carry the past two seasons. I'm a big fan of Javon Leak out of Maryland, the undrafted free agent. I, am I expecting Javon Leak to be a starter and and be a beast? I don't know, but I'd rather have someone like him who has that big playability, give him a shot as the third running back, and you know he's probably not going to get a ton of reps. Give him the shot as the third running back, or you know you keep Gallman and then keep you know hide Leak on the practice squad, and if they ever need to play, you bring him up. Um, just as long as we never aren't in a situation where we're starting John Hilleman again, like that was that was brutal last year. That was well, malpractice to keep to have him starting an NFL football game for us. And I, I'm a pretty positive person. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I'm a pretty positive person. When I, we go through all these draft picks and und, and it, we go through all the undrafted free agents too, we try to find the positives about these guys. Last year, out of all the undrafted free agents and all the draft picks, John Hillman was one of two guys I just had nothing positive to say about. And the fact that he started a game for the Giants was like kind of ridiculous. And part of that was because they only carried two running backs for the first two weeks. You know, they cut Rod Smith. They cut um, Paul Perkins. And then who was the other guy that was in there battling with them? Um, uh, I, I can't remember. But nonetheless, like, give give Gallman or Leak that shot. Please don't have Hilleman in there. And Sandro Plutzgrimmer, I think that's more of a product of this new program they're doing trying to in, involve, like, the Euro Leagues. One player I did like, unfortunately he was cut, uh, I think it was last year, before training camp or somewhere around there. I really liked Robert Martin more than I did John Hilleman. Me too, man. They played at the same college, and John, and Rob Martin was so much more productive. And Rob Martin had a good preseason the year before. I'm glad you said that because I was, like, on an island. I was like, this guy – I thought he could have beat out Wayne Gallman. I really did. I mean, he was he had explosive stuff in college. He's fast. He was very jukey. He was a good receiver. I don't know whatever happened to him. Maybe, like, maybe I was just way higher on him than any anybody else. 
or I thought he was like going to be a decent player. I thought he was going to, ch- I thought he was going to be the backup. I really did. And then they cut him to bring in space for, for Rod Smith. And the fa- like, like I said, you look at Rob Martin and John Hillman at college at the same college. And Rob Martin was way better. And like you said, it just didn't make any sense that he was cut to keep John Hillman. Uh, we obviously added a surplus of UDFA wide receivers in Rice and John, Austin Mack, Derek Dillon, and Benjamin Victor. But you still have some 2019 wide receivers like Corey Coleman. Unfortunately, he tore his ACL last year, and Damari Scott. Who do you think, from a distant glance, has a chance of making the opening 2020 roster? I know Austin Mack could. Benjamin Victor and Derek Dillon are pretty. I'm pretty high on them just to start so far. Yeah, and I said the other day that I want there to be 10 reps in a row where you have Daniel Jones in the starting offensive line out there and you have those three guys out there playing because one of them should make the roster and you want to see which one is Daniel Jones looking at which one does he trust the most I think Austin Mack would be the fa- the favorite because he kind of has like all the skills to play wide receiver he's got good ball-, ball skills he makes contested catches he's a good route runner and he's got a good feel for zone the only problem is he has no speed so he has to make those contested catches a lot Victor a lot of people are high on but I, I just like when you have that size and speed, like you should put it together in college. And he never did. Dylan is the dark horse, but I could see it happen because he was buried on that roster at LSU. When he got playing time, he made some big plays. And you know what? Like you can't teach speed. Speed kills, and he has that four two eight pro day. Now maybe that's not exactly accurate, but even if it's low four threes, that's still really fast. So he's a guy I would like to get a shot. So I would say Austin Mack is the favorite. Derek Dylan is the one I'm probably rooting for, though. One of the players actually was cut this week, one of my favorites, Reggie White Jr. I really wanted him to try to make this roster again because even though he's like, you know, an undersized, out-of-the-shadow player, you know, he was cut for Cooper Rush coming out of this roster. I really wanted him to try to make the team. I feel like he had some potential in my opinion. I didn't spend a bunch of time Reggie White last year. He made some plays in the preseason. He never really wowed me. He, I'll be honest, he never like really wowed me. So when he was cut, I, didn't, I wasn't shaken because of, also because of these three undrafted free agent wide receivers that, you know, there's some excitement about. So I don't think, even if you don't bring those guys in, like I don't think Reggie White ever really had a shot with the Giants. But he was a local boy. Like his family came to the game, you know, out of Monmouth. Like he was a fun player to be around or to watch, you know, or like see people interact with. Uh, I was never huge on him. Um, Now I'm also like not huge on Cooper Rush either. So maybe you – I would probably would have that rather extra wide receiver than, you know, the fifth QB. But I, I, I was never really huge on Reggie White. You know. Final question. Schedules are coming out tomorrow. Which a hump opponent excites you the most that if you would want to go to uh, New Jersey and see them play an opponent, which opponent would that be? Mine would probably be the Steelers, the Browns. It's easy for me, the Browns. It's got to be, you know, I've – I have I, I can't stand Baker Mayfield. I like to talk trash to Baker Mayfield. One of my favorite things last year was people from higher ground talking trash to Baker Mayfield and getting in his head. Cincinnati did it. People like at hotels did it. So I would love to be there. And because of you know the Odell stuff, I mean that the atmosphere for that game would be unbelievable. I don't know if I'll make it, and maybe we don't even have fans this year. And I think I want to go to the first home December game every year, make a tradition out of that. I went to the Dolphins game last year. And I like going to games later in the season when it's like when it either really matters or doesn't matter at all. Um, that way there's either, you know, some hope or frustration or, or no frustration at all. 
So it's, but the Browns has just got to be the easy one. It'd be a harder question other years. This year, it's, it's a damn dunk Browns. Now, before Baker Mayfield was talking trash, I just played this memory in my head. I remember in his first preseason game, obviously that was against the Giants. I remember when Robert Thomas literally grabbed him and threw him to the ground. I think there was the second team offenses and defenses. Uh, they were close to field goal territory, and Robert Thomas just threw him down on the ground for a sack. Yeah, and I remember his first touchdown pass to David Njoku. He threw the ball into the stands, and I actually interviewed the guy on a show I used to do. And immediately, I think the guy's name was like Mike Delafuente or something. He threw the ball back at him immediately, which was kind of funny that, you know, Baker Mayfield's first preseason touchdown got thrown back immediately. Well, uh, Bobby, I thank you for coming on and uh, enjoy the rest of quarantine and, you know, enjoy the hot weather down in Florida. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, you know, let me know anytime. Uh, always like talking to people who like to talk about the Giants. So, yeah, man, I, thanks for having me on.